I'm, I'm Dr. Stephen Marshall. I'm director at the moment of the University Teaching Development Centre uh, at Victoria University of Wellington in New Zealand. And uh, I'm, my role primarily is around helping academics get started as teachers at our university and to help them use technology effectively as part of their teaching throughout their career. That's my principal focus on the work that I do. Okay, so you're a great candidate for this question then. So as we're helping faculty get prepared uh, to, to be successful in this environment, what would you describe as one of the core competencies that they need to have? Well, well, faculty need to be comfortable with the technology first because if you're not comfortable with, with technology and you're trying to use it while you're teaching, it's going to be a distraction to you. But <coughs> excuse me, having said that uh, basic competency in technology to one side, really the skills that you need as a faculty member increasingly are around your ability to connect students with each other, to help them become actively involved in the process of developing their own skills, their own understanding, drawing on their previous experience, learning from the experience of other students, uh, and using that dialogue with each other as a way of exploring how well they actually understand things. Uh, faculty need to be skilled at drawing students away from a superficial recognition of something into a deeper understanding of it and an ability to use that information uh, actively to develop either their own skills or to, to, to realize an insight that they might not previously have had okay. in the field. Now, I'm going to guess, Stephen, that this is the same competency you would like to see in a face-to-face -face environment. Sure. Okay. Uh, one, one of the goals that I see, our institution is primarily a face-to-face -face institution. We're not really positioned in, in New Zealand as a, an online institution. We do a little bit of distance, but really we expect to see our students on campus and we see that that's how, how we fit into the, the role of, of our institution nationally. Um, so really what we want to do with, with technology and our ability to have these conversations is improve the ability of the students to get good value out of the time that they are on campus. So roughly half of our students are adults who are in employment, who are also taking a university study uh, during that time. So we want to make sure that when they come onto campus we treat that serious investment of time that they've made to be there physically. Um, that we treat that with respect, so that we don't make them sit in a dark room listening to somebody mm -hmm. talk at them, information that they could have just read or that they can read online, uh, but rather that we take advantage of the fact that we've brought all of these people together uh, and use that time actively. So one of, the, one of the ways that we're trying to steer faculty long term is, is away from this idea that our courses consist of, say, three or four hours a week of, of lectures mm -hmm. where they're simply delivering content to the students and that the amount of content that they can pile into those four hours mm -hmm. is, is the defining characteristic of the course. Really what we'd like to do is move away from that and, and perhaps even reduce those number of hours down to two or three hours a week, but that that two or three hours be a detailed conversation happening mostly between the students with help from the faculty in the classroom and that then we see the online tools as being a way of extending that conversation so it's happening before and after and also being a way of drawing in more content as it's appropriate to that conversation in ways that perhaps you can't as easily do in, in a classroom. Uh, so really a lot of the time I'm talking to faculty and saying that they shouldn't be defining their course 
uh, around the amount of stuff they can cram into yeah, it. But the, it, it, learning is really what the students do. Right. Biggs made that quite a while back, and it's, it's absolutely true. Learning is what students do. So yeah. things that we get them doing, it's not about the, the amount of stuff I know and, right. and my ability to communicate that. So here's a, a follow-up question. Um, if, if your goal is to help faculty understand um, how to create and manage these learning networks, let's call them, within your class, how do I as a faculty developer teach that competency or deliver that skill? It's much as we do with as faculty teaching and students. Faculty have to experience it okay. themselves. I mean, one of the, one of the real problems that we're facing right now is that people tend to teach how they were taught, yeah. and so a lot of our faculty um, came through a system which wasn't very interactive. Mm -hmm. It was very text-heavy, very much around the amount of reading you could do and your ability to, to sit in a lecture theatre. And we've sort of pre-selected people who mm -hmm. can learn well that way. Mm -hmm. So one of the, the insights I try to get people to appreciate is that their students are not like them. Yeah. Faculty are, are a subset of the population. In most countries now, there's a social agenda about widening participation, mm -hmm. so it's likely that the majority of your students are not like you as a faculty member, and that's, that's the insight we want to convey to people. Mm. Uh, we want to have them experience different ways that courses might be uh, mm. structured, that mm. students might engage with each other, and increasingly we're getting people to think about how their own professional practice is evolving. So mm. we're seeing a lot of people now who will use Skype, who will mm. be in video conferences and audio conferences with their colleagues as part of their research, mm. that are using tools, the Access Grid for example, to, to communicate and collaborate internationally and, and nationally and getting people to reflect on how those sorts of things work for themselves, how, how they themselves maintain their knowledge and their profession uh, and use technology to support that, and then think about how they might similarly apply those insights in a classroom. But fundamentally, you've got to give them that opportunity to learn about that to experience using it. the tools. Yeah. So yeah. We, uh, it, it's getting people to understand that you try something once and it won't work, or at least it might work sort of, but it's not going to be great. We try to give people an opportunity to do that and experience that that's safe and that doesn't involve the students missing out on, on their education. Because the other, the other thing that I'm a, a little bit concerned about is just to make sure that we don't uh, treat our students as, as laboratory animals, so that we're going to try this new thing this week and see if it works. So we've always got a fallback position. So we try to make sure that, um, at least initially, we've got opportunities to, to go back to a different way of doing things or to recover. And that, that's one of the advantages of having a primarily face-to-face -face environment. Right. So you can always fall back to the classroom sure. and, and continue to sure. do that. Because it, it it, you've got to be careful. The, the rhetoric says that our students are automatically great at this, that they're digital natives and they just naturally right. affinitive right. to the right. technology right. and they're all texting re repeatedly while they're Something while tells you me you're not buying that. I'm not buying that. I, yeah. I've seen some good studies that show that really that's not true, yeah. that the majority of students are not using MySpace and yeah. Facebook, that some do and some some really enjoy that and, and get yeah. a lot of experience out. Many don't. And also, as I said, 50% of our students are older people in, in full-time right. employment and we know that they have different expectations and, and Frankly, everybody's time is precious. Yeah. They don't have a lot of time to spend on some of these. But e even these using the social tools like Facebook or, or, or MySpace, using it in a social dimension is different than applying it to an educational Absolutely. process. Absolutely. And so when we say, oh, they're Facebook proficient, doesn't necessarily translate to that they have the skill sets to use it in an educational setting. 
Sure. I mean, it's very much like um, students being well aware of how to use tools like Google, yeah. but that's not the same as doing a detailed um, research into a particular topic and then constructing a, a well-supported argument on the basis of that information where you're critically evaluating the evidence. So just because the students know how to type in the words into the right search engine and, and pick out things from that, that's not the same as the sort of skill that we want students in a research-led university like ours to have at the end of their study. We need them to be able to understand the different value of different resources for different perspectives. Um, I mean, there is a place for tools like Google and Wikipedia sure. as research tools, sure. but you certainly wouldn't depend initially on those things for definitive facts, yeah. for example. Yeah. You, you want to be able to check that with, with sources that have got a bit more reliability and right. authenticity to them.